Hello, everyone. This is Justin, your host, and I'm here with my co-host, Tyler. Here I am. Welcome to our very first episode of Classic Vinyl Podcast. Our debut pilot. Yes, it is. It's our podcast where we're going to be reviewing many albums from a lot of your favorite artists from the 60s, 70s, and 80s. We're going to get into a lot of album reviews. We're going to get into artist reviews yeah musician reviews sure we'll talk about anything related to the great uh, musicians and music of the 50s 60s 70s 80s and wherever it takes us great music yeah so and this is an excellent album to start off the podcast this is a good with. album and yeah give you a little backstory on it this was the very first album i purchased on cd mm-hmm. wow um it's what Got me into classic rock, this band, and the band we're talking about, of course, is The Doors. Mm -hmm. Um, We're going to review their very first album, which is self-titled, called The Doors, which Tyler thought was quite uh, arrogant of them. Yeah, is is that a common thing for... It's pretty common. Um, You know, another thing, like Led Zeppelin's first album is, Mm -hmm. you know, actually known as Led Zeppelin 1 now. Oh, is it? But... It truly was just a self-titled Led Zeppelin album. It just became uh-huh. one because their second album was called Led Zeppelin two yeah. and three and four. But I, I guess it makes sense to name your your first album after your band to get your name out there and to make uh, it more searchable. Well, and you can take it both ways. I mean, in a way, it's not even a self-titled album. It doesn't mm-hmm. have a title to the album. You know, it's just yeah. the Doors. Mm-hmm. Um, Famously, the Beatles have a self-titled album. It wasn't until their 10th album, mm-hmm. but it's also known as the White Album. Yeah. But uh, that was a self-titled Beatles album. But uh, let's get into the review of this album that we just listened to. Mm-hmm. Um, like we stated in our review, you know, or in our preview, I should say, mm-hmm. uh, Tyler's heard a lot of these songs on the radio, so he's yeah. very familiar with all your famous songs of the 60s and 70s and 80s i've heard about half of the songs on this album yeah that's pretty much where i said is exactly well you've heard them all now i've heard them all now yeah but uh this was my first time on about half of the songs yeah Yeah. well it's an excellent album like i said it's the first album i got on cd it's still one of my favorite Mm -hmm. albums of all time um so anyways this album was released on january 4th of 1967 um, you know, the Doors recorded this pretty quick, like pretty mm-hmm. much within a week. Oh. Um, and a lot of that was because these were a lot of the songs they were playing in the clubs, you know, the Whiskey oh. and Whiskey mm-hmm. A Go-Go on the Sunset Strip in L.A. and a lot of the other places they're playing. They had, you know, they'd been recording this album for a long time, essentially, or practicing the album to mm-hmm. record a long time. So once they did get to the studio, it was fairly easy to track it down you know in in about a week and so these are kind of their their uh common more well-practiced hits you'd say well i wouldn't say hits but i mean when you get a band that hasn't been signed yet and they're touring around the clubs and things you see a lot of this you know they've been practicing these songs for years okay so anyways they recorded it the whole album in august of 1966 at sunset sound recorders in hollywood um, it was produced by Paul Rothschild, which all their albums were produced by him, with the exception of their last album, L.A. Woman. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of people, you know, rock experts, rock and roll music experts, consider this one of the best debut albums of all time. 
and oh. it and it's especially pretty strong coming from an American band because obviously in you know this is January '67, so '66 mm-hmm. is just ended. But the Beatles were huge. A lot of your you know that British lot, invasion. Was yeah, going a lot on. of the yeah. British invasion was going on. There wasn't a lot of huge American bands at the time, and the yeah. Beatles were running the charts still. Mm-hmm. But the Doors were a big big step in a direction for the american bands yeah they finally came out with something to one-up herman and the hermits there you go yeah <laughs> so this this album is the doors best selling album of all time i believe it has sold a little bit over 15 million copies worldwide now mm-hmm. um you know they were it was recorded by electra studios okay. electra records that's who signed them um, they were a small label at the time. Um, mm-hmm. I think the Doors helped propel them. They're a, a fairly large, common label now. That's a symbiotic relationship between them. It certainly is. So this whole album was recorded on four track, which was mm-hmm. pretty common at the time. In fact, Electra, you know, famously had to purchase a new four track recording machine for this project, oh. which cost him ten thousand dollars at the time. I don't mm-hmm. know what that would be now, but I'm sure. Uh, that'd be pretty expensive. We'd probably be about uh, what between a quarter and a half million somewhere in there. Yeah, that's it's it's expensive. So yeah, it's an investment. So the Doors are made up of obviously the lead singer Jim Morrison, mm-hmm. um, keyboard player Ray Manzarek, yeah, guitar player Robbie Krieger, and the drummer John Densmore. Um, famously, you know Ray Manzarek, especially in concert, you know he would play the electric piano or the organ with his left mm-hmm. hand and play a bass piano with his right hand all at the same time. Oh, wow. And he did that in the studio as well, but they did have Robbie Krieger, the guitarist, play some bass on some of the tracks they recorded, you know, just to beef them up a little. And they did bring in, uh, I can't remember the guy's name, but they did bring in a session bass player mm-hmm. to thicken up some of the tracks. Oh, I see. But... Um, it's kind of interesting to see him play that. A lot of people can't walk and talk at the same time. And, yeah. you know, I, I've seen him playing one song, you know, playing the piano with one hand, the bass piano with the other hand, and singing at the same time. So Incredible. Yeah, he's a pretty but, amazing This musician. is an era when musicians were really talented. You, you had to be able to do more than just, you know, play the right power chords. Well, and not only that, you couldn't just go to YouTube and look up a lesson. You couldn't get That's on Google and look up the chords or the tabs. You know what I mean? Yeah. You had to learn. You had to know how to play, right? Mm-hmm. So, so let's get into this. Um, yeah. First song on this, I'm sure most people are pretty familiar with. Break on through to the yeah. other side um, was actually the Doors' first single they ever released, mm-hmm. um, written mainly by Jim Morrison. But the other doors did kick in and help with the music, as always. You know, Jim would always come in with the poetry in his mind, Mm -hmm. and he kind of had a sound he wanted to hear, and he kind of had to flesh it out to him, you know, because Jim was not a a musician as far as playing an instrument or anything. He just knew what he was hearing in his head, right? Interesting. So, like I said, their first single released, um, it only only hit 126 on the U.S. charts. Um, Mm -hmm. For some reason, it hit 64 in the UK, so it was a minor hit in the UK, but yeah. not not very big in the US. Um, I guess it depends on how you look at it. I mean, your very first single hitting 126, it's 
probably not that bad to have it out there, you know. But I'd be content with a, a single rip that I release going to 126. But uh, then again, I'm not Jim Morrison. Good point. <laughs> so what's your uh, initial thoughts on this song? My initial thoughts on this song were um, it's a rather heavy song. It's not heavy metal, but it is it, the beat of it, the... What the guitar in it? It's it's a pretty heavy song. This isn't not you know um, that it, it's a hard rock. Yeah, yeah. I mean, for the Doors, it's one of the first songs I learned how to play on guitar. And mm-hmm. one thing I can say about Break on Through, you know, is being a huge music lover and the Doors being one of my favorite bands of all time. Mm-hmm. I do find myself not. I shouldn't say not liking, but not wanting to hear the radio play songs quite as much as some of the deeper album tracks because you just I've heard them so many millions of times Uh, Break On Through is still that way but it's one of the ones that are a little easier for me to hear because I just love the song Mm -hmm. it's short and sweet it does have the heaviness to it with you know the organ which the doors for a lot of people are love or hate (laughs) yeah for sure you know and I know a lot of people that love the doors but there's a lot of people that can't stand the organ, you know, can't stand the electric piano. They they just don't like the sound of it. Myself, I enjoy it. Are are these? Is this the band that um, really made the organ a popular instrument going uh, into the seventies? I don't. I don't really think the Doors were. I think in the manner they used it, yes, because they use it so prominently. And it mm-hmm. was a. You know, you, you go to the Beatles, for example. They yeah. used electric piano and organ mm-hmm. in different songs and stuff, but it wasn't a staple. The yeah. Doors, it was a staple in every single song. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it was one of their instruments. They mm-hmm. were essentially a three-piece band with the lead singer mm-hmm. without a bass player, essentially, you know. And so yeah. you had the organ and the bass being played by Ray, and I think they're the first band to use it as a main instrument mm-hmm. that that I'm aware of or that I listen to, and I'm probably wrong, but yeah. it definitely is featured heavily, mm-hmm. right? I mean, they use it on intros, they use it on, I mean, Light My Fire is a good example where they yeah. use it on, you know, they do the whole solo through the, you know, at least on the album cut, not on the single, but, mm-hmm. and we'll get to that. But yeah, Break On Through is an excellent song. Um, I've always loved it, still do. And I do like the heaviness of it. It's it's a perfect song to kick off the album, in my opinion. Yeah, this was a very strong way to start off the album. I I like this song, and this is, you know, once again a song that I had heard before. Yeah, it's it's pretty common. Most people know this song. Yeah, anybody that's listened to any kind of classic rock, whether yeah. you like it or don't like the Doors, mm-hmm. uh, you at least are aware of "Break on Through." Yeah. Um. So moving on to the second song, "Soul Kitchen." Mm-hmm. Um has an awesome piano in- entrance into it. Mm-hmm. Um, I love the intro. Um, it's another song written by Jim Morrison. He wrote about it. Uh, it's actually about a soul food restaurant named Olivia's that he frequented quite often that was uh, located in Venice Beach. Huh. Um, I, I like this song. It starts out slow, but it has a really heavy-hitting, fast chorus. Yeah. Um, what are your thoughts on this song? Yeah, this was a much more calm, more mellow song than uh, Break On Through. So it was a nice uh, contrast to the first track. Uh, but it, it, very soothing. Um, makes you kind of feel like... I mean, it makes sense that he's talking about like an all-night diner. or not, It's not necessarily an all-night diner because there is a closing time. And 
He he sings about wanting to stay there all night. Well, and famously, this is the song the Doors ended their concerts with. You know, would be kind of their grand finale song. You mm-hmm. know, uh, you know, yeah. it's time to go now. You know, and things like that. So it was that they played this sense. at the end of their concerts quite a bit. But I do like how it starts slow. I do like the fast paced chorus. Mm-hmm. But it's not a super heavy song. But it could yeah. be. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. it really could be. But it's. It's another song I give two thumbs up to. I yeah. love it. It was a great song. I, I thought it was kind of interesting when he gets into that, um, although it was a kind of an interlude there where he starts to be repetitive, saying, learn to forget over and over and over again. And I thought, that's a really interesting way that he's saying it, almost like he's telling you, hey, you need to remember that you need to forget. <laughs> so how, do you, how does one learn to forget if they're trying to to learn it I, I don't know there was something in there that just seemed like it and I've, I've heard Jim Morrison do things like this before with words where he says something it just sounds like the message that he's sending it's a such a contradictory sentence but well and sometimes I think you know Morrison was obviously a wordsmith and mm-hmm. I think similar to what you've heard from you know John Lennon and things. Is yeah. Sometimes the words didn't even have to mean anything. You know, yeah. sometimes they were just a play on words. Mm-hmm. Sometimes they just fit into the song. Sometimes, yeah. sometimes maybe they were just drunk or stoned and it didn't mean anything. That's something I get about Jim Morrison too. Is that he really seems like he's using um, his voice as an instrument. So the words don't necessarily have to be um, a conveyor of a thought in the way that tra- tra- like the spoken word is. Yeah. But the, he uses words more as like an instrument to make it sound nice in your head. Well, and, you know, not a lot of Morrison's lyrics are literal, but at the same time, a lot of them are literal, you know. So, mm-hmm. But I don't think it's... I think it's for us to decipher among ourselves what they really mean because mm-hmm. I don't think anybody's really going to ever know what they mean. Truly. Not, not now. <laughs> yeah, not now. So, excellent song. Mm-hmm. I, you know, great start to the album for those two songs. The next song, uh, The Crystal Ship. Yeah, this one was completely out of left field for me. Yeah, it, it's yeah. definitely a psychedelic type of song. Yeah. Um, this was the B-side single to Light My Fire, mm-hmm. which Light My Fire was their second uh, single released, and we'll get mm-hmm. to that in a minute, but... Um, the Crystal Ship is just a simple love song Jim Morrison wrote about his girlfriend. Um, okay. And it was inspired a lot by um, William Blake's poetry that Jim was a huge fan of. Yeah. Um, but then again, you know, like I said, a simple love song, but Jim, being a wordsmith as he is, takes it further and further, and it, it takes you on this psychedelic journey. So you don't know if, you know, are we on acid? Is Jim yeah. on acid or is the song good enough to make you feel like that? You know, it, it's just mm-hmm. a real surreal song. And, yeah. and I'll be honest with you. I love this song. It's one of my favorites. It's a fun song to listen to, but it, it is trippy. Um, and it, that very well might've been what Jim Morrison was going for with this song is to try and see if he could create the effects of, um, kind of that drunken stupor from being high, um, using just his, uh, lyric, using just his music, and so, it, and I think he did a good job, at least, um, at least conveying that mess or conveying that feeling. Well, and you know, 
Morrison, like we I stated earlier, you know, he wrote the lyrics, but a lot of the music we got to give credit to Robbie, John, and Ray because yeah. Jim would present these lyrics to him and say, "I kind of want to have it have this sound," and they mm-hmm. mess around a lot and you know they're the ones that really come up with all the music and all the effects on it and it was a perfect marriage between these guys in this band because they made some beautiful music in my opinion so yeah they did i think third song in a row i give it another two thumbs up your mm-hmm. your take this one wasn't my favorite song but i'm not really a druggie <laughs> <laughs> if i was more of a druggie i don't know it, it kind of got a little bit out there for me so uh, this one wasn't my favorite, but you know it wasn't a bad song. It it wasn't irritating. Yeah, and it's one of my favorite songs. I enjoy it. Mm-hmm. So, moving on to song four. Yeah, the twentieth century fox. Yeah, there you <laughs> go. What? So another song written about written by Jim Morrison. Mm-hmm. Obviously, this one I think is more literal than you know his other songs have been so far on this album. I mean. Yeah. For being a play on words, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, she's a 20th century fox. I mm-hmm. mean, I think she's saying she's a pretty good-looking hot chick, you yeah. know? Mm-hmm. Exactly, the, using the the lingo of the era. So what are your yeah. thoughts on this song? Um, this song has a nice beat to it. I, I think uh, using that 20th century fox, I mean, that was, they were a big um, film company. They're still a big film company. And uh, they're very iconic. I mean, most people uh, would recognize the 20th Century Fox uh, emblem and the music that went along with it. It's very uh, fanfare-type music, very triumphant music playing. And uh, this song, (laughs) it has a very similar kind of feeling, that um, a really good, strong beat to it. Um, you can almost see this girl just strutting down the sidewalk in on Sunset Boulevard, uh, just strutting her stuff. She knows she looks good, and he knows she looks good. And uh, he, Wordsmith, <laughs> he did a great job letting you know that. Yeah, and it, I mean, it was a literal song. I wouldn't say this is my favorite song on the album, but I've always enjoyed it. It's yeah. a good little quick song. It's gets to the point like i said the lyrics are literal and it, it's a good song i mean obviously if we were to redo it now we'd have to change the name to 21st century fox mm-hmm. and fun little tidbit when the yeah, their uh, 20th century searchlight well pictures. yeah that that too <laughs> when the doors got back together with ian asbury um the three surviving doors at the time mm-hmm. and formed the doors again they called themselves the doors of the 20th 21st century nice yeah, so kind of interesting. That but. works. So now the next song. Uh, yeah, the Alabama song. Yeah, Alabama song, Whiskey Bar. Very interesting. This yeah. song obviously was not written by the Doors. This was mm-hmm. an English song written by Bertolt Brecht yeah. and translated to German. Mm-hmm. Um, it was uh, used for a 1930 opera, Rise and okay. Fall of the City of Mahogany. Yeah. And... I've never heard the original version of it, but I would like to just to see where it goes. That would be interesting to see what the original is. Because, I mean, just going off of the title of it, Alabama Song or Whiskey Bar, you start to think, well, this is going to be some sort of down-home, redneck, uh, folksy 
Uh, yeah, but instead yeah. you get kind of that circus no, feel. That it's boom, very boom, European. Boom, yeah, boom, 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 boom. It kind of reminds yeah. me of mm-hmm. you know some kind of beer fest or something. You know, exactly. Oktoberfest theme it, song. It sounds like Oktoberfest in Germany. Yeah, I've never really considered this a strong door song. Mm-hmm. Um, I I kind of throw it in the same lane as you know the Beatles, obviously being one of my favorite bands. I throw it in the same lane as something like Oblah Di Oblah Da because that is probably the Beatles song that I like the least. Mm-hmm. And that's that's actually probably giving it more credit than I like to. But I do not like Oblah Di Oblah Da, and this is kind of mm-hmm. like that. Yeah, but I do like you know, like I said, I haven't heard the original, but I do like what the doors did with it in some ways it's it's mm-hmm. interesting and I, I will say this much i've listened to it on their live albums and it's mm-hmm. much better live than it is on the album i see okay this um this song it, it's a fun song to listen to it's got that beat um you get this it tell it's a song that almost paints a picture for you of this drunken guy just going from bar to bar. He's bar hopping, having a great time. Yeah. And it, it sounds like a carousel. It sounds like some sort of uh, calliope organ at a at a carnival. It just sounds like he's having a great time, and this is the song that uh, plays in the background to it. Yeah, I mean, it's a good filler song on the album. I don't always skip it, but uh, I don't mm-hmm. actively search it out. I, I consider this the weakest song on the album. Okay, and that's, I think that's fair. Where, where do you place it? Uh, I'd put it towards the bottom. Yeah, yeah. But then again, I'm you know I'm not a huge drinker, so <laughs> I <laughs> well, guess if I was into bar hopping, this would be my theme song. But <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah kind of interesting. But uh-huh. you know, it, it's an okay song, but uh, you know, not my favorite on the album. I'd put yeah. it at the bottom. Uh, so we finish out the side one of this album mm-hmm. with. Obviously, The Doors' largest hit they ever had. Uh, the second single they released, Light My Fire, um, was actually a song written by Robbie Krieger. Mm-hmm. Or Krieger, as you know him. Okay. I say Krieger to make people happy, but it is Krieger. Okay, well, it's spelled K-R-I-E-G-E-R, so I would assume Krieger. But... It's Krieger. Okay. But anyways, you know, Jim did... Con- contribute a verse to it uh mm-hmm. the part about the funeral funeral pyre you know the yeah. kind of the weird part but yeah that and that's something that uh shows that jim morrison is well read i mean that he's he uses a lot of poetic or um a lot of old words yeah i mean jim you know from the very beginning when he was young he was into heavy literature is the best way to put it you know into things that young kids weren't into and he yeah. continued that he he was very well read so mm-hmm. uh definitely could uh freak people out with the words he knew yeah the funeral pyre being uh, i believe it's a norse tradition it uh, is that yeah when someone would die they'd set them on a wooden raft uh covered in combustible objects mostly you know pile of firewood and then you'd set it of uh, adrift and set it ablaze so this was uh i feel like this song was inspiring pyromaniac since 1967 is what i got written down on my notes that's here that's a good yeah. way to put it uh-huh <laughs> so this single was released in january 67 um essentially right after the album come out break on through the first single single was uh, released before the album came out but okay. um you know this was the doors first number one hit um, and spent three weeks at number one on the Billboard Top yeah. 100. Um, 
the the funny thing about the song is the album song was over seven minutes long. They had to cut it down to three minutes for the single. Oh. Um, they basically cut out the huge. That's right. In the middle of this, there is a huge instrumental section where there's no singing. And it's yeah, just... and it's mostly organ, you yeah. know, electric piano. <laughs> yeah. And they cut all that out for the single. Okay. I think pretty much nowadays when you hear it on the radio, you get that. Very rarely do you hear the single version anymore, but it is still out there. Yeah. Uh, another interesting thing is it was sped up a little bit. Um, and mm-hmm. so on some of the later releases you get, um, they are a little bit longer versions. I see. So, and they do sound a tiny bit different. So It seems like uh, Jim Morrison's one of these guys that does not mind filling time with music. I, I think he probably was happier filling time with women and booze. Okay. But, I mean, he's got some songs that are way long. Yeah, well, and keep in mind, you know, this isn't even his song. Yeah, true. This was written by Robbie Krieger, the guitar player, so mm-hmm. who wrote a lot of their famous songs, yeah. uh, unbeknownst to people. You know, The Doors, uh, for their first three albums, released every song is written by The Doors. You okay. know, it didn't, even though most of them were written by Jim Morrison, they just said mm-hmm. The Doors. When Soft Parade come along, their fourth album, mm-hmm. uh, Jim didn't perhaps like, I guess that's the way to put it, some of the songs Robbie had written, so they actually changed the song writing credits on that album to who they were written by oh okay so but anyways they ended up performing this uh light my fire famously (laughs) on the ed sullivan show in september of 67 oh the scandal yeah well somewhat of a scandal it depends on (laughs) if you look at history or if you look at oliver stone's version of history but um the band was actually asked by you know ed sullivan's team not to say the line you know, girl, we couldn't get much higher. They mm-hmm. wanted to change it to girl, we couldn't get much better. Oh, what a prude. <laughs> <laughs> well, at the time, saying high or higher, you know, was obviously mm-hmm. a drug reference. And Yeah, I mean, it, I can picture Ed Sullivan lo- looking at Jim Morrison. Now, I know what you guys are, what you kids these days are talking <laughs> about when you say you couldn't get much higher. You're talking about using the, the pot yeah, and, exactly. and the dope. <laughs> exactly, and that that's probably what it was going on. But, yeah. you know, the Doors promised they would change it, which they didn't. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, which is rock and roll. <laughs> yeah, and, and the funny thing about it is, and I've watched the, the recording of it, you see a little smirk, a little smirk from Robbie Krieger, mm-hmm. which that's about all. And Jim just sings the song like normal with the word yeah. "higher" in it. Mm-hmm. You know, in the Oliver Stone depiction of it, mm-hmm. Jim screams out "higher" basically, and there's a mm-hmm. big debacle. But yeah. the one thing uh, Oliver Stone's movie did get right is, you know, the Ed Sullivan team told them that they were never going to play the Ed Sullivan show again, mm-hmm. and Jim politely told them, "We already have." Yeah, so. You know, they played Water it. under the bridge, man. They did what they wanted, <laughs> yeah. and there it went. So, yeah. um, you know, when singles were a thing, obviously in the 60s and part of the 70s, um, this was The Doors' number one selling single of all time, sold over a million copies of just the single itself. Yeah. So, huge. And the song is also inducted into the Grammy Hall of Fame. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't happen to a lot of songs, but in 1998, this song was put into the Grammy Hall of Fame. Yeah. I think if you... Anybody that listens to this song, especially anybody that was alive during uh, the late 60s, and the drug culture came in, and all of a sudden, you know, it, it kind of turned from, like, the uh, 
the beach party 60s to the psychedelic parties this is a song that really just captures a moment in time really well and i think that's why it it uh rocketed to number one and stayed there for so long well it does i think it hit everything at the right time you know and I will say most times when I listen to this album, I do skip this song. Mm -hmm. And it's not because I don't love it, because I do love the song, but out of all the door songs, this is the one that you hear on the radio. Oh, it's overplayed for sure. And (laughs) I don't know if I'm doing that as self-preservation on on the song to not overplay myself on it or whatever, but I'm like that with a lot of things. You know, it's like when you go to Leonard Skinner or something, I don't want to hear Sweet Home Alabama. Yeah. You know, it's... you just get tired of the radio play songs. Mm-hmm. At least I do, because sure. I still listen to this music mm-hmm. very, very often. So, yeah, you know, it is for what it is. But mm-hmm. Light My Fire, it closes out side one of the album. Yeah. So if we flip that album over, we start off with another song mm-hmm. not written by The Doors. This is a cover song of a Willie Dixon song. Uh, kind of set to some 12-bar blues. It is Backdoor Man. Mm-hmm. Um it's a good song. Um, I particularly like this song when they play it in concert because it's more raw. Yeah. But it's got a good tone to it. I love the way it beats in. Yeah. Um, it's kind of a heavy blues song. Mm-hmm. Uh, what are your thought, thoughts this, on Backdoor Man? It's really got a catchy tune, easy to dance to. You can see why this is a, a good hit for the for the doors. Um there, this uh, the term backdoor man. Uh, <laughs> you know, he's talking, I believe, about the derriere. That, uh, I think Jim Morrison. Well, likes, uh, this is this is. <laughs> I, I don't know if that's the way I'd put it. I, I don't know if this song was written that way or. You know, I don't know the history behind the song, and we get into a little of the few de- details on the songs and stuff, uh-huh. but I do not know this song by Willie Dixon. I don't know the original yeah. version, and I need to go listen to it. We we, we probably should have listened to the, the yeah. original by Willie Dixon yeah. just to see how much of these lyrics are there, because I'm not sure when he talks about, hey, you eat your dinner, you eat your pork, pork and beans, yeah. I eat more chicken than any man ever seen. Yeah, which I am... Is that is he referring to cunnilingus or analingus? Well, I don't know, but I, you know, maybe maybe this is just a restaurant and he goes in the back door. Okay, I I don't know. I mean, you, you're taking it way further than I would. I'm thinking pork and beans means uh, a, a penis and testes. Okay, well, I it's, don't know. I've, I think this song is loaded with euphemism. At least it is in my heart, and that's what I'm going with. Okay, fair enough. So what do you give this song? This song's, uh, <laughs> in in the spirit that I'm taking it in, I'm going to put this one up pretty high. <laughs> it's yeah, a good it, song. Yeah, I mean, and you're... It's a fun song. And you, like, thoughts, and yeah. you like Meatloaf. Yeah. And I don't mean the... Yeah, the singer? Yeah, the singer. I do. So you like different I do songs. like different funny songs, yeah. Yeah, and I I really do like Backdoor Man. The only thing, mm. you know, I'm not a huge cover person, you know, so okay. when these bands do these covers like Alabama Song and Backdoor Man, now Backdoor Man yeah. is a more straightforward rock uh, rock and yeah. roll blues song mm-hmm. as opposed to Alabama Song, so I like it more than that, but... It holds its place where it does. It it would probably fall to my second favorite song on this album. Okay. Um, but I still enjoy it, and I do enjoy it 
much more on the live album. They play it's a little stronger. So yeah. So we go to the next song, which I know is another song that you had never heard. Yeah, uh, this one was new for me, and I liked it. Yeah, this is I Looked at You. This is a song written primarily by Jim Morrison, but co-written uh, by, you know, the keyboardist Ray Manzarek as mm-hmm. well. Um, it's a good little kind of love song, you know. Yeah. It, it doesn't have a lot of heavy guitar in it or whatever, but it, the, it moves it moves at a good pace. Yeah, this song, it um, I think the pace that it moves at shows you that uh, life moves pretty quickly. And this song to, uh, it tells me that it's all about like this missed opportunity, that there was uh, an opportunity for a love uh, when, you know, in a look. Like, this is a, a song about someone that you see walking down the street and you pass them and you take a second glance and they take a second glance at you and there's that that chemi- uh, chemistry connection. Yeah. But you don't say anything. You just keep going about your day. Possibly this song is the conclusion of what happened when they went and talked to the 20th Century Fox. It could be, yeah. You know, I looked at you, you looked at me, yeah, and then mm-hmm. you didn't want to have anything to do with me, essentially. Yeah, you know? I enjoy it, and that's just kind of it. Yeah, it is what it is, yeah. right? But it, but it's an excellent song. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I've always enjoyed it. It's not a song I skip on here, Mm-mm. ever. Yeah. You know, I mean... I, I can it. see why this is. It is a, a good song. Well, and it's it's not a song you're going to hear on the radio. Maybe on deep, sure. deep tracks on Sirius XM or something like yeah, that. But th- this was a new one for me. But yeah. it's a good song and mm-hmm. it's a strong song. I I don't have any. I haven't heard any live versions of this, but I think it would be a good live song. From the sounds of things, um, let's see. I think you've you've uh, played a couple of live things for me before from the Doors. And I think you're right. The, the, uh, Jim Morrison, he's a wildcat when he's live. Well, and I will say about this song, this is probably the most, you know, if you take Alabama song out of it, because it's mm-hmm. just kind of strange. But I Looked at You is probably the least Doors-like song on the album. Yeah, very much so. It's it, very different. It, in fact, it's kind of surprising to me they didn't release this song as a single. Mm-hmm. Because it, it seems kind of like your pop popular song and yeah. I don't know how well it would have done but it seemed to fit into that mode but you know I mean that's easy to say now right yeah so but I I do give this song I mean I don't know if we have a rating system maybe we'll have to come up with one we'll have to come up with yeah. one but right now I've only got two thumbs so I give the song two thumbs up okay. and I always enjoy hearing it how about you um I'll give it a, a thumb and a half can you do that I'll, do you want me to You're say, not going to Backdoor Man again, are you? I am the Backdoor Man. Yeah, putting two thumbs. <laughs> no, you can't fit two full thumbs up there. <laughs> okay, well, <laughs> let's move on to the next song. I think uh, I am, the Fonzie A. <laughs> we'll move on to the next song, End of the Night. Um, uh-huh. Now, this is a very surreal, yeah. dark, uh, makes you feel like you're in a dark old building yeah with the rain pouring outside it's got a weird feel to it the funny thing is it's trippy yeah they chose this song to be the b-side of the break on through single which is a really strange selection to me i think that they would have done better if they had done i looked at you as the flip side of the or even 20th century fox or or something something. yeah one of those yeah yeah end of the night it 
first of all, it was written by Jim Morrison. Yeah. I I do like the song. I do. Mm-hmm. It's a really slow, yeah, spooky moving song. I don't know. It's just got a surreal feeling to it. It's it's got an existential crisis, is what it feels like. I mean, it's it's a really trippy song to listen to. Yeah, it's kind of an E E minor, A minor. It's yeah. a it's a I don't know. It's just got a a weird feel to it. And uh, Jim yeah. derived the title from a 1932 French novel, Journey to the End of the Night. So he ripped that yeah. off straight off of that. Mm-hmm. But that explains a lot about this song. Yeah, and I've never read that French novel. Uh, me either, but the fact that it's, you know, this is a novel from his childhood, I guess. Well, let's see, would he have been alive in the in the 30s? No. That's a little no, before no, no. his time. So he, I mean, Jim Morrison, well-read guy. Not only is this a French novel, but this is like before his time French novel. Yeah, he was born in like 43 or 44. Yeah, so, so this is like from, I think he was 24 decade when before. he was recording this. Yeah, but yeah I mean, the kind of stuff he was into you know you Mm -hmm. you look at him as a quintessential rock star in leather pants you know and long hair and out there doing this and that but he was a high intellect Uh and you know unfortunately that got him into more trouble than it should have but (laughs) (laughs) but this this is a good song it's it's really slow it this song gives me the feeling kind of almost like this song belongs on their second album strange days and that's I know you. We haven't done that album yet. You yeah. haven't listened to that album. Mm-hmm. But this song feels more like that, and and I guess that kind of makes sense because a lot of the Strange Days songs mm-hmm. were they were songs they were playing the whole time in this session too. So they were just leftover songs, that, yeah. the ones they decided not to record on here, right? Mm-hmm. But to me, it kind of fits in with that a little more. Yeah, this, this is a song that definitely feels like that. Uh, interim between world wars in france (laughs) yeah it gives you a creepy feeling doesn't it you know take the highway to the end of the night Mm -hmm. you know it it's just a strange song but it's a good song i i to me it's quintessential doors Mm -hmm. sound um yeah just the way the organ the keyboard goes in there you know it's it's a good song and I, i i do enjoy it yeah so we move on to another song written by Jim Morrison. Um, this is another song that was one of the first songs I learned how to play on guitar as well. Funny thing is, I don't remember it now, but uh, take it as it ah. comes. <laughs> you know, go real fast. Mm-hmm. Go real slow. Yeah, that, that's really the, the message of this song is to... Um, move slow and enjoy life every opportunity you can. Yeah, and Jim Morrison had uh, actually dedicated this song to the Maharishi, who he had attended a lecture of. Maharishi, obviously, uh, famously, you know, where the Beatles went to the retreat and wrote the white, the the biggest portion of the white album. Yeah. And, you know, Jim had, uh, you know, attended a lecture and kind of brought that away from the Maharishi that... You know, life is this. Just take it as it comes, you know. Mm-hmm. Go real fast. Go real slow. Do whatever you do, but just take it as it comes. Yeah. This is one of my favorite songs on the album, and this would have also been a good single to release with Break On Through. I would say so. Yeah. So, yeah. I, you know, I don't know. I mean, it's, it's a good song. It's just... It, kind of a contemporary rock song, you know, with mm-hmm. a few chords in it, but it's... It's got good pace to it. It's got good lyrics to it. It's got a um, good feel. Yeah, and I think, you know, this one's more of a literal sense of Jim yeah. writing, you know, that 
you know, I don't think there's any hidden meaning to this song at all. But it's, no, it's pretty straightforward. <laughs> it's got a good feel. It's upbeat, and it's it's just a really good song. Yeah. So I I give that one two thumbs up too. Oh, absolutely! That was a great song. So now we move on to the finale of the album. The end of the album. No, the end. Oh, what? the end. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, the the twelve the minute. But, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Another euphemism. I'm just going to always assume that when Jim Morrison's writing things, it's always a euphemism for sex. Should well, that could be. Mm-hmm. So you think the end has to do with the backdoor man? So you're thinking rear end, probably. Well, well, he's got things like you know, I think he's singing about blue balls. <laughs> well, he's singing about blue buses. That, but. Well, you take it how it is. But yeah. anyways, this is another song written by Jim Morrison. It, it yeah. started out as a just a little short, simple love love song, breakup song with his girlfriend at the mm-hmm. time. Um, but as the Doors played it more and more in the clubs, especially in the Whiskey A Go-Go, it turned into kind of their epic, you know, their epic song where it had huge yeah. solos over it and just real droning keyboard to it and it's it's that's what happened that's why this is 12 minutes yeah it (laughs) it really you know it really took on its own life as they kept playing it but it was originally you know this is the end my beautiful friend the end you know i mean it was a simple love song saying Mm -hmm. goodbye and and there's a lot of uh, question who it was about but yeah um there's a book about uh jim morrison and his love and Pretty sure it was about Mary, a gal that he had been, mm-hmm. you know, quite friendly with for some while. But he said it was time for him to go and pursue other things, and that's kind of what they think it's yeah. about. And it's it is mm-hmm. really a pretty song. It starts out pretty. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's it's got a lot of guitar, you know. It's also got a very foreboding feel about it because I mean it is the end. Yeah, I mean it does. It does, and I, I think you get that with the keyboard a lot, yeah. though. I think you get that mm-hmm. because it sounds so... What's what's the word with the keyboard? Almost like Dracula's Castle yeah. or something, you mm-hmm. know? It's like, like some, yeah, like the, the Phantom of the Opera sitting in there playing away on his organ. Well, right? and I guess you, you hit it right, foreboding. Yeah. I mean, that that's probably mm-hmm. the best way to... It's just haunting. Yeah, exactly. Because, I mean, when you're going through a breakup, this is... The way it feels is like, okay, well, I have to break up with you, but in order to get on the other side of this where we're broken up, we got to endure whatever exchange needs to happen. But, you know, you guys say whatever you need to say. I got to say whatever I need to say. But how am I going to get from here to the other side of that? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and it's, it is foreboding. Now, I would say the end has always been one of my favorite songs. Yeah. Um, and I don't know why, because musically it's simplistic. Um, I think it's just because it's so haunting and, you know, to get to kind of the, the, the big thing about this song is Mm -hmm. the Oedipal section. Yeah. Um, that was a little bit of a surprise. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, where he goes into the room where his sister lives and then he, you know, pays a visit to his brother Mm -hmm. and then he walks on down the hall. Right. Yeah. And you know, he opens the door, looks inside, right? Yeah. And, and his father's the only one that responds to him. Yeah, he's like, Father, yes, son, mm-hmm. I want to kill you. Yeah. So, does he kill him? 
I've he, always I know wondered. he wants to. He tells him he wants to, which isn't a very yeah. good surprise tactic. Well, th- this is also a very edible thing as well, is to kill the father, right? Well, to kill the father. And, yeah. and but, then he says, mother. Uh, yeah. Well, at least on this album, he didn't say it. But. He just says, mother, I want to. Ooh, all mm-hmm. night long, baby. Yeah, yeah I mean... In some of the cleaned up versions and th- and live versions, you do hear it a little mm-hmm. stronger. Um, this song was famously used in the movie Apocalypse Now. Yeah. And in that, they do a little bit different mix where you hear um, you hear some helicopter propellers, uh, but they're kind of slowed down, so you get yeah. that. Yeah. It, but then you hear the mother, mm-hmm. I want to fuck yeah. you. You know, mm-hmm. all night, baby. And it, it's pretty crazy. And you know, at the time, and mm-hmm. I guess the first time they played it, and you know, and he sang out that lyric because they used to jam out all kinds of different versions of songs. But the first time he did that in the whiskey, and this is another thing apparently mm-hmm. that Oliver Stone's movie The Doors gets cracked is it had a pretty huge hit, and they actually got fired for it. Oh, because you didn't say that kind of shit. You know no. what I mean? It, yeah, you that's just, not uh, polite. No, it's not polite to say you're going to kill your dad and mm-hmm. and have sexual relations with your mother and i'm not even sure what he did to his brother and sister but the funny thing is jim did have a brother and a sister yeah um so i mean he was interjecting this wasn't just like third person i mean and he talks about the killer uh walks through the house right the killer awoke before dawn yeah he put his boots on yeah and then he says he took a face from the ancient gallery and he walked on down the hall interesting yeah, and he came to a door, and he looked inside. Mm-hmm. You know, so it it's kind of weird. Yeah. And the funny thing about Jim's family, you know, is going into the door's popularity. He told everyone in interviews that his parents had died, even though they hadn't. Mm-hmm. In fact, famously, Jim, you know, in 1967 when the doors hit until 1971 when he was dead and buried in Paris, he never saw his mother or father again. And his mom tried to get into multiple concerts with his sister oh, really? and things, and Jim wouldn't see him. So, mm. um, that's a shame. Yeah. So I I don't know where that comes from, but mm-hmm. it's it's an excellent song if you just take it for what it is. It, yeah. Uh, similar to End of the Night, it's very, mm-hmm. you know, very mysterious and yeah, and because it feels like it's symbolic. And that he's trying to convey a message, but he's not, it, it's not as straightforward as some of the other songs. Well, exactly. And, I, you know, I've done a lot of research on Jim Morrison, read a lot of books, watched a lot mm-hmm. of documentaries, about as much as you can do at this point, right? Yeah. And I really think Jim's main meaning is this is a simple love song turned into a long epic with music, you know, interludes yeah. and things. I think all it is is shock value. Yeah. You know, he had famously done Which a lot is why of, I think everything he says is a euphemism. <laughs> well, it could be, but I don't know if I agree with you on Backdoor Man simply because he didn't, uh, yeah, he he didn't, didn't write, write it. it. But then again, he had probably heard the song and thought, mm-hmm. I know what I want that to mean. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> you know, but the end is an amazing song. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a little bit different, you know, for somebody to record a 12-minute song on an yeah. album. I. It would have been interesting to see if they could have turned it into a, like a three or four minute mm-hmm. um, single. Yeah, because it it really is a pretty song. Mm-hmm. It's it's simple chords. I think it's a, a D 
chord with an E minor. Mm-hmm. I think they're augmented a little bit or something, but they're simple chords on the guitar, you know, yeah. and it's, I would like to hear it as a single. I think it would be a good single. I think, yeah, cl- clean this thing up a little bit. Um, uh, clean it up is a horrible way to say it, but like, yeah, just concise it a little bit down, uh, cut it back from well as a single you still is. need this version as well yeah you do uh, and uh, it just feels like this version i mean when we start up as a simple breakup song and then up end up with this it seems like the blue bus got uh you know they stopped to ask for directions on the way west <laughs> well yeah he talks about a blue bus he talks about a seven mile long snake which that's yeah. a pretty damn long snake yeah and the king's highway which uh, uh el camino real in california i believe it's i-5 now oh maybe maybe the yeah. seven mile snake mm-hmm. actually is the highway it could be i mean yeah, that ride like, the snake yeah mm-hmm. i mean or maybe which I, is another euphemism <laughs> yeah i'm sure <laughs> i'm sure it is ride the snake baby yeah um seven miles yeah there, there was a line in there he says uh, all the children are insane mm-hmm. waiting for the summer rain yeah and i i feel like that what he's saying there is okay you know school kids are waiting for the summer break to come because in the summertime what falls from the sky in the form of rain is summer romances so see and you know, I get to I get a lot of this, and I thought got break up with her in order to get uh, ready for your summer romance. You got to be a free man. So you start chasing yeah. those twentieth century foxes, That's right? Yeah. Well, and I think you know I find this with a lot of the Beatles lyrics, a lot of the Doors lyrics is, you know, you can talk to a hundred different fans, and you're going to get a different meaning out of it. And I think that's kind of in a way what they meant. Yeah. When they wrote these things. Maybe they didn't even mean it. Maybe it wasn't even on purpose. So maybe this says more about me than it does about the song. This I, is like a Rorschach test. Yeah, I'm a little concerned about how everything you read into has sexual connotation to and it. It's all about butt sex. Yeah, yeah, that bothers me a little bit. That that's that's how you're finding everything. But that's mm-hmm. fine. Okay. I mean, yeah. it is what it is. Well, you know, you're on that side of the room. I'm on this side, so true so i you know for me the end is one of the top two or three strongest songs on this album Mm -hmm. and i think that's because of the length and because of it this song is amazing also live he does different little versions Mm -hmm. uh in the end uh than he does on the album version so it's kind of interesting and we'll we'll probably review some of their live albums going forward yeah i mean it really is a good song for I, I mean, it's long, like I said. But, yeah, seven miles. But I don't necessarily want to disparage the song for being so long. It is a long song. kind of feels long, but it's a pretty song. So, in my opinion, you know, this is not my favorite Doors album. Mm-hmm. It holds a special place in my heart because it was the first one I got sure. and the first one I devoured multiple times over and mm-hmm. over and over. Um well, I say it's not my favorite, but some days it is. You yeah. know, I, I like changing my mind, and that goes with my mood. You're free but to do that. It's definitely one of my favorite two or three Doors albums. Of course, they only made six studio albums with Jim Morrison, two without him, yeah. which aren't even in print any any longer. But um, it falls from first to third frequently for me, I guess. Okay. Um, but I think, as far as the album, it holds up really well today. Mm-hmm. Um. And I think the reason it does is because they're good. Most of them are good, upbeat songs. Yeah. I think the the piano or the keyboard, as you want to call it, 
it holds up really well because that's the Doors thing, right? And yeah. I think it just epitomizes the sound and the mm-hmm. times of the 60s. And, and that's great in a way, but it's just as easy for me to listen to nowadays. But I am stuck in the past a little bit. What are your thoughts on it as holding up nowadays as a classic I, album? I'm, I, I guess this is something that I've always been surprised by when I listen to albums is that there's certain songs I like better on the albums that I never hear on the radio. Would you think that, do you think that's the same theory as me as you're just tired of hearing some of them on the radio? So they're sometimes they're better when you hear them for the first time. Uh, there might be some of that, but I honestly, I think that some of these are just really better songs and I don't know why they don't get more playtime. I don't know why they, um, aren't more popular. Because, you know, like I said, or like we said before, certain songs, like why did they put uh, End of the Night on the B-side of the single? Well, and here's the other thing, too. Break On Through was released, and it it reached 126. If they were to release Light My Fire first and then Mm -hmm. Break On Through later, Break On Through probably would have been a number one hit. Probably so. And so a lot of it's about band momentum, too, right? But (laughs) yes, End of the Night was a very, very strange, especially for popular music and a band barely breaking into the scene. That, to me, like I said, 20th Century Fox, or I Looked Mm -hmm. at You, or even Take It As It Comes, those are much better singles. Oh, absolutely. You know? I mean, 20th Century Fox is a fun song. Yeah. And and there's a a lot of songs on here that are more fun to listen to than than some of the other ones. But um, I think it holds up just fine. I think it's very iconic of the time. It is, and it, it's. Yeah. I think it is one of the greatest debut albums. The fact that there's only two covers on this thing, which at the time, you know, covers were a huge thing, and yeah. so the Doors had a lot of their own music. They had, you know, they come in with twice as many songs, and like I said, it wasn't very much longer that they went in and recorded "Strange Days" with the same group of songs they've been playing, you know, yeah. live for a long time. And it's a very strong album, probably my favorite. Okay, um, and we'll get to that another time, but. Um, that's been good for our first review. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, we're not experts on these. We're not going to get into all the little details about yeah. the studio equipment they used and what day and minute and hour they recorded and who yeah. had a cold. And we, we don't need to do a deep dive. No, there's plenty of people out there to do that. I, I think our... Our vision is going to be, okay, we're going to see this from the side of someone that's been listening to this music for years and years, Mm -hmm. and someone that's hearing a lot of it for the first time or hearing it in depth. Yeah. So you go ahead and feel free as a listener to send in as much hate mail as you want um, to me for being so ignorant and not knowing more about these songs and these bands. I can take it. I've been to public school. Yes, you can. (laughs) And in the meantime... We'd certainly appreciate you going and uh, giving us a review or a follow Mm -hmm. on any of the podcasting platforms you follow. Mm -hmm. If you've got any albums or bands or music topics you want us to cover, send Mm -hmm. us an email. email. Uh, We've got an email. It's uh, classicvinylpodcast at Uh, gmail.com. Visit us on Instagram. Mm-hmm. Classic Vinyl Podcast. Yeah, keep keep an eye out for our, our Instagram as well, because when we post uh, things out there, it's 
It's going to be some really good um, images and pictures of things from the 60s and 70s, classic things that you're going to want to see. And we've got thousands of albums and topics to review, but anybody sends in anything they want to hear or don't want to hear, whatever, let us know. Let us yeah. know what you want to hear and what you'd like us to do, and we'd be more than happy to do it. But until then, we appreciate you giving us a listen. Yeah. Yeah.